Hello, everyone, and welcome to Get Can Lit, a podcast that showcases Canadian authors. I'm your host, Maria Zupardi, an avid Can Lit reader, and keep on listening to find your next favorite book today. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back. I am so happy to report that I'm no longer in a Can Lit reading funk. My house sold in like not even a day, and I'm just way more stress free. Um, I am so sorry again for the chaotic last episode, but here's to hoping I make up for it this time around. Can you believe that March is almost over? I mean, like, I don't know about you, but this month has just felt ridiculously long. The only Canadian authored books I've read recently are three poetry collections, all of them published or are being published by Guernica Editions. Shout out to them for sending me the PDFs of the books I'm going to discuss in this episode. Now I know, Maria, what are you doing reading poetry? Well, I figured it's time to revisit some good old Canlit poetry because what a nightmare we're in here right now. So there's a major, and I mean like major, poetry prize here. Um, it's called the Griffin Prize, named after the Scott Griffin dude who's like extremely uber rich. And they would historically award one Canadian and then one international author as like the winners. Well, now it's merged into like literally just one prize. So both international and both Canadian authors are um like fighting for that one award i mean even though they upped the prize money like that means jack shit <laughs> um because you're still taking away so much from canadian poetry authors and also the publishers by just completely fucking this up anyways if you go on twitter and just like search up the griffin prize um like you'll find lots of juicy conversations happening if you want to creep on those discussions um, but anyways, so with all that shit happening with the Griffin, plus April being Poetry Month, I figured um, it would kind of be cool to talk about some poetry collections today. And yes, fair warning, I am not a poetry expert at all. I'm just a casual, very casual reader of the genre. Um, yeah, like barely casual, I guess. <laughs> Can I just say, though, that Guernica Editions has, I think, the best book descriptions for their poetry books. Like, I would totally be lost without them. Um, when I'm reading like their synopsis, or I guess the synopses um, described the books, like just so perfectly, I just understood the content of the book a lot more. So yeah, there's that shout out to Guernica for that as well. All right, so the first one I read was Love is a Place But You Cannot Live There by Jade Wallace. And this book is divided into different sections. And one follows two casual ghost hunters on a road trip, and they hear the death rattle of their relationship. In another, residents of a city's fringe measure their physical and social isolation. And then we have a mother and her adult child who have opposed reactions to their vacation spot, which I really liked this portion a lot. Um, and then we have lovers on a romantic coastal getaway uh, discover how estranged they are from one another, which is another section that I really loved. Um, so I thought this collection was really cool. The cover is very interesting if you have a chance to check it out. I thought the language was beautiful. Um, I really got a sense of home being like a major theme throughout the book. I think it just all tied together really nicely. And you can get this book on April 1st, which is When Love is a Place, But You Cannot Live There by Jade Wallace releases. Really great title too. I mean, like, I don't know, it just definitely embodies the theme of home and belonging. Um, yeah, so I think that was really a really great collection. I think it's still on NetGalley. If you're a NetGalley user, um, you might still be able to um, request it, but I don't know. Don't don't quote me on that. 
All right. And the next poetry book that I read was definitely way above my reading skill level for poetry. <laughs> and that is The Vanishing Act and The Miracle After by Mirabelle. So these poems are definitely extremely lyrical. Like the language was sophisticated, like I said, way over my comprehension skills. Absolutely. Uh, but it's times like this where the book description becomes important because, again, like I look at it while I read the book. Um, and then I have like, you know, I'll be reading the book, I'll pause, I'll read the description again. I'm like, okay, like that's what's happening. This makes sense. So the first half of the collection is called The Vanishing Act, and that captures the ruminations of a mind which feels limited physically and spiritually. Uh, the imagery in this section intermingles magic and violence as the speaker confronts systemic issues as a middle class woman, a person of color and a survivor of abuse. Um, so the second section, which is called And the Miracle After, offers a fresh perspective on recovery. In this section, the speaker revisits images of bodily harm. Objects previously used for violence are brought back to a state of benign normalcy. As spring arrives, the speaker contemplates renewal and the paradoxical nature of taking agency of her life while knowing the act of survival is made possible only because of miraculous intervention. Um, yeah, so that's like the book description. It's so much to take in and it's just a lot to process when you read. That's not to say this book is bad at all. I think it's just perfect for poetry readers. Uh, but for like the general person like me who just wants to check out a poetry collection because you want to read something different, this is not the book to start with. But I do think that this one has a lot of award potential. Um just because of like the language use and you know like it's just very again like sophisticated I just feel like this is the kind of book that poetry award committees or jurors would look for um so again that is The Vanishing Act and The Miracle After by Mirabelle and this one comes out on June 1st and last but not least I read Casting Out by Rocco Di Giacomo another poetry collection where a lot of the references, I think, just flew over my very tiny, tiny brain. Um, for this book, I thought the form of the poems was cool. Like, it's not always the same. Um, like, there's just a lot of variety in here. So some were short, some were read, or some read, like, really long paragraphs. Sometimes there were, like, two lines in a stanza for, like, the whole poem. Um, so, yeah, like, I like that kind of stuff. Like, when it's different, like, a different thing each time. Uh, so even though this was actually a bit of a longer poetry book than the other two I read it didn't feel like long you know like I was easy it was easy for me to like kind of read through it um I think this one is definitely more personal to the author than maybe the other two um so like just because it addresses faith and fatherhood um or you know I like it felt more personal um, from the book description, it's an attempt to reconcile the evidence-based reasoning of the speaker's presence with the angels and demons of his past. This collection confronts what it means to be loved in a system that the speaker now finds not only irrational but hateful. The poems address the struggle to raise children in the absence of spiritual beliefs and contemplate the questions of whether imparting secular values is enough of a foundation and how much should a child even if it is back towards religious tradition and the speakers left behind, be permitted to find her or his own path. I think many, many people are kind of in the same boat as Rocco. So like, I can see this collection resonating with you if you can relate to Rocco's situation. Um, and I know I said the references like flew over my head, but the poems again are pretty accessible to read. So I think anyone can kind of pick this up and get something out of it. 
Um, and Casting Out by Rocco DiGiacomo comes out on April 1st, just in time to pick up for Poetry Month. Alrighty, and those were the three Canadian authored books I've read recently. Thank you so much again to Guernica Editions for sending them over to me. All right, and upcoming in my reading schedule, because I have a buddy read book to stress read by the end of the month, and I haven't even started it yet, is Blackwater Falls by Ausma Zihanat Khan. It's the first book in the Blackwater Falls mystery series, and this one is about girls disappearing from immigrant communities in Colorado, but people start to care when the body of a star student who is a Syrian refugee turns up deliberately placed inside a mosque. And then we have our main lead, Detective Inaya Rahman and Lieutenant Waka Saif are recruited to basically solve the case. So definitely shaping up to be hopefully a mystery series I can get into. Sometimes I just find them hard because there's so much time between like the, like each book release. So yeah, that's why I don't really read them that much, but I don't think I'll have any issues getting into this one. It sounds really great. I know it's gotten some good reviews. I don't see it too much on like Bookstagram or BookTok. Um, but yeah, maybe I can change that and hopefully highlight it a lot more on there if I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely stay tuned for my in-depth review of Blackwater Falls by Ozma Zihanat Khan in my next episode. Um, so yeah, I guess this episode actually also ended up pretty short because again, like I just only read three poetry collections. Um, but yeah, I will have more structure soon. I promise. I promise you guys just please stick with me. <laughs> um, but before I do wrap this episode up, can you believe that I broke my TBR jar? So like I had, I had to clean out my bookshelf because, um, it was a disaster for like showings and everything. And oh my God, so I had, I kept most of my special edition books in my one bookshelf because like, I'm not going to put them in the garage in a tote bin. <laughs> so um, some of the special editions that I have like laying flat, they're like pop-up books for like adults. They're the Mina Lima editions basically. So I set my jar on top of it, but because they're pop-up books, like they're uneven and I totally forgot about that. So I set it so I set the jar on there and like, you know, I'm doing my thing, I'm vacuuming. And all of a sudden, I just like, I feel this bang on my foot. It dropped on my foot, the stupid jar, and it just broke. And I was so sad. <laughs> um, but I was at the dollar store recently. And yeah, so I bought a new one and it's even bigger than the one I had. Um, so if that one drops on my foot, it's going to hurt even more. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so once I move, I will have to rewrite all of my Canlit books anyways. So it's just going to have to happen. And yeah, but so that will definitely be in June because I was thinking, you know, like maybe I'll start now or like even in May for the Canlit TBR jar. But yeah, no, it's not going to happen anymore. <laughs> um, but with that being said, my aim, though, is to have no, not Mexican Gothic. Uh, Velvet Was the Night. That's the last book I chose. That's my aim is to have it read at least before I choose the next one, probably in June or whatever. Uh, but yeah, so that's the state of my Canlit TBR jar. It was going to come back soon, but it's not going to come back at all now until I actually move. <laughs> Anyways, on that note, I will see you for my next episode. Thanks for listening to the Get Canlit podcast, a show that's all about what Canadian authors you need to read next. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow on your favorite platform and watch out for new episodes every other Tuesday. You can find me on social media at Get Canlit Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and at Get Canlit Pod on Twitter. Thank you and I'll see you next time.